there. Welcome to Inside MERS Investments. I'm Kristen Ballar, MERS General Counsel. I manage all of MERS legal and compliance matters. I'm here today with Jeb Burns, the Chief Investment Officer, who leads MERS investment team in managing over $15 billion of assets for pension and other financial accounts. Thanks for joining me today, Jeb. Pleasure to be here, Kristen. Jeb, can we start off with where the MERS defined benefit portfolio finished the year for 2021? Sure. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning. Good to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, we we really had a fantastic year uh, on on every level. We finished the year over fourteen percent net of fees. It was fourteen point one three percent. We outperformed our public benchmark by almost three percent. The actual number was two point seven percent, which is really strong. And where it's particularly strong is normally in an up market because we have lower risk in the portfolio. Um, you know, we don't always keep up with the public markets, but in this case, we actually were almost even with public markets. And then private markets really drove the portfolio um, to these strong returns. Uh, I think our private equity returned over um, 48% for the year. We've got about 7% in private equity, so that really helped help the top line. Uh, I, we find ourselves in a really good position. I mean, it, we're beating the actuarial rate of assumption at all time periods through 10 years, and actually the 10-year number is 9.3%. Um, and then we're doing well against our benchmark. You know, we're beating it in uh, you know the one and two year pretty substantially, and at the ten year, which at the end of the day is our is our ultimate goal. So all in all, it's it was a good year and uh, better than I could have hoped. Thanks. That sounds like it's really positive news. Let's look at what's ahead of us as we move into 2022. Uh, what's your team watching, and how does that affect your planning? Well, it, you know, I, again, you know. We, we try to structure the portfolio with an asset allocation that is really focused out on like seven to 10 years. That said, we obviously pay attention to what's going on in the marketplace. I think as everybody listening has noticed, the markets have been a little little volatile and noisy lately, and we've had an over 10% correction in the equity markets. I think one of the things that the average person needs to remember, and, and frankly, we need to remember as well, is corrections do happen. It's not a matter of if, it's when. The markets, if you go back and you look over 100 years, the trend line's up. So, you know, as long as capitalism is still in vogue, um, you know, we're pretty confident that you're going to see continual upward movement and growth in not just the U.S. but the global economy. But you're going to have pullbacks. Um, that's why we make sure that we've got assets that perform well from a diversification standpoint um, when the markets sell off. So kind of where we're at today is, this correction that we just went through, totally expected. It was, frankly, probably um, overdue. Uh, we have systematic rebalancing in place. So on a quarterly basis, we'll rebalance the portfolio. If there's any severe shock in between the quarters, um, you know, we'll take our liquidity and we'll deploy it and we'll buy assets when they're on the cheap. And that allows us to kind of push that number that I mentioned earlier that was over 9%, the 10-year mark, up higher. So. I think we would expect going into this year from an economic perspective, I think you're still going to see growth, um, but I think it's going to be at a slower pace. Uh, the U.S. really started accelerating um, as the pandemic eased really over the last year. So we've seen a lot of those gains. I mean, you saw every segment of the, of the markets go up this year. So. Um, we think that some of that uh, upward movement is going to, the acceleration is going to shift. You know, think of uh, Europe, Australia, Asia, other places which have had, I think, you know, more stringent um, lockdown measures. Their economies have a lot of room to move on the upside coming out, coming out of uh, 
those restrictions cease. So you, you mentioned growth. Um, so I'm curious, when performance is good and when investments are consistently gaining in value, um, what is MERS strategy to take advantage of that trend? You know, what we're, we tend to, you know, like I said earlier, we always know that something bad's going to happen, so we're always preparing for that. But, you know, having a long-term asset allocation, which has a certain amount that we have to have in equities, have to have in bonds, have to have in private markets, that allows us to ride that trend. So um, we're not panic selling, if you will, at the, at the top of the market. Um, but we also look for what are the trends which are going to take place over, you know, maybe two, three, five years. So, for instance, inflation. Inflation's gotten higher. Now, we didn't see this spike, you know. Um, but we did see, we thought due to demographic forces um, and changes in the global economy that we were going to see an increase in inflation. So we modeled that out. So we have a significant amount of assets invested in real assets, which would be think farmland, think real estate, um, think mining, think energy. And um, those things have done very well, and they are also inflation sensitive. So that's, that was a trend that we, we saw coming. And frankly, really over the last five years, we've invested there as well. Um, interest rates were extremely low. They were actually negative in Europe. So about five years ago, we saw this happening. And, and, when, when, and when, when rates are really low, when they go back up, you lose money on your bonds. So we, we, we totally got out of uh, international bonds over five years ago because they were negative rates. Now rates are gonna start to go up they'll lose even more than the U.S., and then we will start to buy in um, as that changes. Uh, I think, you know, the other kind of trend that we're hoping to take advantage of, so you're seeing, you know, electrification, autonomous vehicles, and um, that that's a trend that's not going to happen. One of the things I found, we were talking to a manager, and I found it was interesting, it's not, it's not, it's not an if, it's a when. Uh, the whole U.S. fleet's going to go electric. I mean, you know, the, the Ford 150, it's, it, I mean, it's already in the pipeline. So there's an opportunity there for us to kind of capitalize on. So we're looking to make investments there. Um, you know, as you see tensions internationally between the U.S. and China, you're having um, more onshoring happening. So where things were manufactured outside the country, they're coming back. So that we know that kind of uh, tilting into dom domestic manufacturing is going to be a place where we, can, we think we can make money. So we look at what the long-term trends are, and then we try to put our money in there, and then also take advantage of momentum. I really like the Chevy Silverado electric uh, vehicle commercial during the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that was outstanding, and I must tell you that uh, I mean, just in my personal life, I mean, I'm, I'm you know my next car, you know, I want to make sure that at, at a minimum it's a it's a plug-in hybrid, and um, it's. That's a it's, a it's a permanent shift, and and out of that, so if you move to electric vehicles, you know, battery storage, things like that. I mean, there, you know, we also look at it, it, it trends. I mean, you know, climate change is an issue, and that means there's going to be opportunities. You know, battery storage, clean energy, but it's also there's going to be energy in or opportunities in traditional energy because you're going to need bridge fuels to get us there. This is this is a 10, 20, possibly 30-year transition, so there's there's a lot of opportunities to invest, and, 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 and we're trying to take advantage of kind, of kind of be on both sides of it if, if we can. Jeb, you mentioned interest rates. The Federal Reserve is talking about raising interest rates probably several times this year. Uh, I'm curious what that means to the MERS defined benefit portfolio and our municipalities. Yeah, I, I think, 
on one level, it can be somewhat helpful. You know, interest rates have been so low that we've been, you know, many institutional investors have had to take on more risk, put more money into stocks and alternative assets, trying to meet those actuarial needs. You know, I've told this story, I think, at the annual conference, you know, in you know, 1995, you know, your bonds could get 7.5%. I mean, that could solve your portfolio problem. Today, you're going to get one and a half to two and change. You know, the, the math doesn't work. So as rates go up, um, you get paid more for your bonds so you can create a really, frankly, more of a traditional portfolio that will work for you. Part of the Fed's mandate is to manage inflation. So that's inflation, as we know, is kind of taken off. So that's one of the reasons they've announced that they're going to be raising rates. Now, all that said, um, you know, there's talk that they might do seven or eight times. I don't see that happening because that will slow um, corporate profits because when you raise rates, the borrowing cost for corporations and for individuals um, goes up. So if the economy slows too much, you'll see them pause. So I think, I think you're definitely going to see rates going up. So, you know, commercial, great time to refinance for everybody. Uh, so expect rates to go up but I think they probably will moderate, and I, I think the Fed will closely monitor what's happening in the economy, and if they see things dipping down, they'll pause. It sounds like we'll be ready to, res to respond to any changes from the Fed as well. Yes. Great. So uh, you mentioned inflation. Um, what's causing inflation, and, and how does this impact MERS? So one of the reasons that we, we made uh, increased our estimates of where inflation was you know, going was demographic trends. So... Right now, you're hearing a term in the media called the Great Resignation. And really what this represents is the baby boomers, the largest generation, generational cohort we've ever had, the youngest ones are retiring. So if you're born in 1964 and above, you know, you're starting to leave the workforce. COVID has accelerated that trend and many more. The X generation is smaller. Um, you have many millennials who were kept out of the workforce during the you know, Great Recession they're lagging a little behind from skills and where they, where they are in their career uh, paths. So you don't have enough people to fill this, you know, fill the spots that are needed. So that's going to push wages up. So that's one thing. The other thing you have is you, everyone's heard about supply chain issues. You can't get chips for your cars. If you're trying to order furniture, you, you know, look forward to, I mean, it could be a year before you get anything. Um, a lot of that has to do with deglobalization. So we all grew up in a, in a time where it was a global marketplace. Uh, free trade was really the mantra for the global economy. That's changed. Countries are focusing more on their people, more on jobs. There are tensions between the U.S. and China. And so we are starting to move uh, production into the U.S. And other countries are doing the same thing. Uh, COVID, again, has accelerated this trend. That's expensive. That causes inflation because you you know you have to build the plants. You gotta you gotta get the people skilled to take the jobs. Um, so that you know, so when you think about people, uh, deglobalization and then supply chains, all those things are inflationary. I read this morning that the FDA is no longer going to be inspecting um, incoming international avocados. So everyone get out to the store and stock up on guacamole because they're gonna. Uh, get more expensive here in the future. I think that's going to make everybody around this table a little grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. That's really that's really informative. Um, you know, after so long of the consistent investment gains that we've discussed quarter after quarter, you know, I think you and many analysts suggest we may be due for a market correction, um, resulting in performance dropping. Um, can you comment on what your team sees there and what strategies MERS has to address that possibility? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think as I, as I said earlier, you know, we've already seen a market correction. I mean, that's, you know, we finished the year absolutely strongly and we saw um, all markets kind of pull back over the last uh, six, week, we, we, six weeks. We've held up very well uh, in that environment. We're actually on a relative basis outperformed the portfolio. Let's see here. Yeah, year-to-date, as of um, the 16th, the portfolio was down 2.84% uh, versus its benchmark at 4.49%. So we're outperforming by 165 basis points. And that's that goes into the fact that we understand that markets are going to be volatile. They're going to go up and down. So you build a diversified portfolio. What we try to do is make sure we've got less risk than the marketplace. So that's the kind of return you should see. Now everyone's like, well, we're negative. Well... As I said earlier, I still think there's, you know, we're in the middle of February. I think there's a lot more time to run. I, if I had to bet, I still think the year is probably going to finish positive. Um, but even with that negative return, the trailing one year is still in double-digit positive returns. So, um, and again, these these we look at these as, as really buying opportunities. So as I, I think as I said, you know, when we started, you're going to still see growth in the U.S. It's just going to be a little bit slower, um, but we have we have an overweight to international equities, and those should do very well. Our private assets, those should do well. Those should continue to do well. So I think diversification is really the thing that's going to make you the most successful when volatility hits the marketplace. So do you feel that the market correction that some analysts have talked about has already occurred? Do you feel like it's going to go further? Um, yeah, I'd love to tell you if I have a crystal ball, but I don't. I think the one thing I could say is you're going to see more volatility. What I mean by that is you'll see pullbacks, you're going to see runs. Uh, we are, you know, we are vulnerable to uh, geopolitical shocks. You know, that's in the news lately too. So that's that's just here to stay. We're not going to have the calm markets we had for the last few years. Yeah, on, on that geopolitical note, you know, world events they certainly impact markets. And Jeb, you've you know you alluded to that um, just just now. I'd like to um, ask you about the unfolding events between Russia and Ukraine and get your insight on uh, what you think that means to investment markets and how your team is positioning for the unknowns there. Yeah, it, these, as, as, as deglobalization has happened and countries have really moved, taken a more um, nationalistic interest in their, in their economies, in their, in their home in industries, that, that creates more volatility. There's a term uh, that was coined maybe about 10 years ago called multipolarity. Many of us grew up in the in the Cold War, where you had two great powers, and the Cold War was over. Well, you know now um, the U.S. is naturally retreating from its security umbrella. Um, you know, we used to basically we provided the military protection for global trade. As that retreats, the world becomes a little bit of a messier place, and um, and in the interest of countries, start to kind of push themselves up. And that's really what's happening with Russia. We're le- we've been less involved. Uh, Ukraine is is fully within the Russian sphere of influence. Everybody forgets because we've really never been invaded. You go back to the Napoleonic Wars, World War One, World War Two. I mean, the Russians 
in their natural psyche, they are very, very concerned about protecting their borders. And we, we, we forget that here. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong what's going on. Um, but we shouldn't be surprised that that happens. More of those events will happen around the world. So we know that. So we need to take that into account from a risk perspective when we're investing in a different region outside the U.S. or a specific country. And historically what's happened is when, so if Russia invades, markets will sell off. But normally that, that's already priced in. They'll quickly rebound. Um, do I see Russia rolling through Ukraine into Western Europe? I, I, I don't know. They have the capacity to do that. Um, but there'll be consequences. You know, and our job is to evaluate. Okay, is that a is that a buying opportunity, or are there risks beyond Ukraine? So, um, and those are the tough questions that we have to wrestle with. But that's the situation that's going to persist, not just in Russia, but you know, Middle East and also in in Asia. Bringing it closer to home, Jeb, twenty twenty two is an election year, albeit not a presidential one. Does that have an impact in the market in any way? Very timely question. Kristen, and, and the answer is yes, no, a lot, could be a little bit. Um, traditionally what happens is presidents are elected, they have a short honeymoon period, and it's gotten shorter and shorter in the last few election cycles. Um, and then, you know, everyone's heard the term lame duck, and that's really when policy stops. What markets like is, is policy certainty. So in an odd way, regardless of your political desires, um, if the market feels that, you know, the Democrats are going to take keep control of the House and the Senate, we know then that we have policy continuity for the next two years. What the market's signaling now with elections, uh, some you know, off-year elections like the election in, um, in Virginia, you know, is it looks like the Republicans are going to take the House and possibly the Senate back. It looks like they're going to take the House almost assuredly and the Senate more, more likely. Um, that's also cyclical. And normally, it, it's, I think it's only been twice in this century has the president's party kept the house in the, in the first by-year election. So um, so the markets right now are uncertain, and so that creates a little bit more volatility. Um, so that's really what they're looking for is some kind of, you know, what's the direction that's going to happen. So we watch that again. It's, it's a risk thing, um, but it's not really investable right now. Yeah. As with everything, it seems it's just uncertain. Correct. Jeb, let's wrap up with some closing thoughts. Well, first again, Kristen, thank you so much. This has been a, this has been a pleasure. I think um, you know, 2021, strong performance. Uh, diversification was once again rewarded. Um, there was a shift away from just tech all day, all night. Private markets did well, and we saw an acceleration um, of pent up demand from the beginning of normalization from from the pandemic. And then if, as I look forward into 2022, I think you're going to see growth continue, I think, at a slower rate in the U.S., uh, accelerating in Europe uh, in other parts of the globe, uh, persistent inflation, uh, supply chains do not expect them to end in 2022. I think that's going to be an issue going out into 2023. Uh, higher geopolitical risk and policy uncertainty probably through uh, the midterms and, frankly, probably into the next election. Well, thanks for all that information. And I know that there's some more information on MERS's performance and strategy on our website, which is found in the show notes. Um, thanks again, Jeb. Look for another episode of Inside MERS Investments next quarter for continued great discussion on MERS investment performance and strategy. 
podcast is intended as general information only and should not be regarded as investment advice.